0: And here we go.
1: Hello, Patrick.
0: <laughs> Father Brian in the house. Good to see you.
1: What is up, my chicken?
0: Oh, all is good in the hood.
1: I used to say that a lot in college.
0: <laughs> oh. our, our good
1: friend, Father Jason once he still says that. I'm like, what's up, my chicken? Does he really? Oh, yeah. I
0: don't know if I know that. I or love- he might
1: say my dog. We would make fun of, like, I was one of those, like, white suburbia kids. Yeah. Who, you know, I don't know, didn't have anything in me that was like had to do with like rap or like that kind of culture
0: yeah token white guy and
1: so we would make fun of the white kids who were trying to be like rappers that's right and they would be like hey what is up my dog
0: (laughs) yeah especially at cu boulder (laughs) right the classic yeah try playing on the uh football team too really it's like you're the you're by far the majority of the demographic walking around campus and then you step into the locker room real shift in your, in I your perspective it. of yeah, life
1: the football team is probably the most diverse like spot on all of cu's campus
0: oh yeah i mean the minute you get to the athletic facility and it's it, it's the only diverse spot i, mean, I think when i was there but i remember right 2000 call it 2007 ish uh it was like 98 percent white
1: yeah, that's, I mean, it's I imagine it's probably still, still the case. Still but pretty close. But I have no idea. Yeah. The, you know what people say today is these universities, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about this today, spoiler alert. There you go. But uh, a lot of people today would say universities. So I had to write a essay when I went to see you about why I'm diverse. Hmm. And what they really meant by that is racial diversity. Yeah. Which I don't got much to offer there. I'm Irish. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. My ancestors like potatoes apparently. Totally. But, um, a lot of people today would say the problem on universities is not diversity of race or ethnicity, but it's diversity of thought and that there's kind of the thought police. And so if you don't think the way that the kind of dominant worldview does on a college campus, and I think this is true. Totally. Then, uh we, we want diversity of, of ethnicity and we want diversity of cultures as long as you think the way we think, but if you disagree with the way we think, there is no room for that.
0: Yeah. Therefore you're not you're not getting in.
1: Yeah. Dare I say
0: cancelled. <laughs> totally. Right. Touche. Touche. Uh big news for us. We finally got a uh an email address.
1: We got an email address. We yeah. are welcome to twenty
0: twenty one. That's right. Coming out the gate's hot.
1: Coming out the gate. We are, man, we are on top of it. I actually got rid of my cordless phone last
0: week. There you go. You still had the one that no, had I'm the spinny kidding. wheel, right? Oh, no,
1: that's what I wanted to say. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the, 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 rotary, the rotary dial. I don't
0: even know what you call it. I think I just saw that in, like, Mad Men one yeah, time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mad Men. <laughs> Never saw that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, we
1: do have an email address now. It is rant, R-A-N-T, at lordsdenver.org, L-O-U-R-D-E-S, org, so all run together uh rant at lordsdenver.org so email us let us know your questions um we want to be speaking into topics that are pertinent to people and questions they have um and we actually dare i say we enjoy doing this
0: 100 percent. yeah it's the best part of the week it kind of i look forward to it same yeah we sit down and we, uh, s- we spend a while like trying to figure out what we're going to talk about and then yeah. we go for it
1: then we go for it There we go for it. And just the casual kind of good conversations about real topics. That's right. So Uh,
0: another announcement, quick one. Want to give a shout out to Seek 2021. Yes. Coming in. We actually are uh, pretty excited about this. We've, we are kind of partnering with Seek this year. Um, They are doing a virtual event. And for those of you who don't know, Seek, um, which actually Father Brian has a, a big tie with Focus. But they are a college ministry um, around the around the U.S., focusing on evangelizing uh, the Catholic faith, and they are putting on a big conference this year with some pretty. I was looking at their uh, speaker list, and it's pretty impressive. Yeah, Bishop Aaron, and I mean you name it, Father Mike Schmitz, all those guys. Um, I
1: Father I have, Mike Schmitz, the best looking priest in America. That's right.
0: Do you see? He has like the number one podcast out right now.
1: Does he really, like he, in the Catholic world?
0: No, I think it's like making news. If I read it right, it's like wow. across the board and it's a 365 days of oh, the Bible uh, reading. The Bible. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, he's very good. I, I don't know Father Mike that well, but we went to Israel together when I was in seminary. And then he's, he filmed something at Lourdes one time. And uh, do I do want to shout out to him. He's a great guy. He's yeah. very kind. And every time I see him, he's just, he's always very gracious and just, just a nice guy to talk to.
0: I do have some funny stories about my introduction to uh, Seek, Focus, Father Mike Schmitz, all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, you've got to tell that story. I will. I will. But that's kind of the cliffhanger. So we we are kind of partnering. We have a special episode coming out uh, that will f- be featured on the website. Go to seek.focus.org. And um, their conference is February 4th through the 7th. And uh, I think that is where will kind of lay in some of these stories about my first experience with Seek. I was a little overwhelmed. Uh, but yeah. all in all, now looking back, I mean, they're such a phenomenal organization. They do some great things. Yeah. So check out the website, go register there. You can get individual tickets and or uh, uh, group tickets.
1: And so if you didn't catch that, so Seek is the conference that Focus right. puts on. And so they, they do that once a year, it's, unless I've totally lost touch with reality. And when I was a mission, so I worked for Focus, and I often I lay a lot of credit at Focus's feet for bringing me deep into my faith and then ultimately becoming a priest. Uh, number one shout out that goes to my mom. But anyway, when I was a Focus missionary, and so I was mentoring young men, I was talking to them about the Catholic faith and about Jesus, and we had these conferences, and we didn't call them seek back then; it was just called the national conference because we weren't cool enough yet to have titles. <laughs> And I went to the, like, they don't even consider it the first national conference. I think it's considered the second. So I was a student at CU, and this is like 2000, let's say, right about, right about two, it was like January of 2000. So we went out, they had the national conference, and I always give Curtis Martins the founder of Focus. He's a good friend of mine. He's a total chump. Shout out to the chump, Curtis. Love you. But we went out to uh, Kansas, middle of nowhere. And it was, they called it a national conference and they were like 50 people. Yes. And we, we actually just rented a large house at our like retreat center and guys slept on one side and girls slept on the other. And that was the national conference. And it was the second one though. And so, and there were like five campuses there. And I always give him a hard time. about give Curtis a hard time about this. But they say, you know, the first national conference was just Benedictine students. I'm like, that's not a national conference. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> I'm like I'm like, this is Curtis Martin and Ted Tree in the woods with like eight dudes. You know? Totally, totally.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Using their like little rolly spinny phones to phone home. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. totally. The the rotary phones. That, yeah, that thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's classic. It was inspiring. One more story and then we should probably move on. But I will say it was pretty cool. Curtis has always been an inspiring figure. But I remember we had like, at one point, you know, there's 50 people there and we divide in half. We have guys session and girls session. And usually when they do that, what happens, there's a big joke in the Catholic world that the women go off and they're like, um, women, you're so beautiful. Oh, we love you. Like, And you just need to have confidence and be okay with who you're at. And the guys are like, you need to stop looking at porn. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> And I was kind of like, is that what they're going to do? And they didn't. Curtis took all the guys aside and he literally was very inspiring. He just said, okay, the room, this group of men in this room, we are being called upon to change the world. How are we going to do it? Wow. And I remember leaving being like, amen.
0: And you were at CU at that time?
1: Yeah. I was probably uh, like a sophomore at CU. Yeah, And I was like, amen, let's go change the world.
0: Wow. Was uh, Father Jason there?
1: He was. He was a year ahead of me. And uh Andy Remstad, who's a parishioner here. Yeah. Uh Nate Shear. I'm not sure if you went on that one or not. Uh, but all those old John Zimmer was my Bible study leader. If you don't know any of these people, we'll we'll move on. But it's
0: Yeah. It's kind of it's funny. Like it's pretty cool. Obviously, Steph, my wife was involved with Focus out, out at KU. It is it's the camaraderie between that. Like some of her best friends are all her all from focus. It's pretty crazy. But, yeah. And it it really, I joke about it all the time, but I mean, we started dating and next thing I know, because she was in focus, that girl has been a bridesmaid in 13 weddings. Wow. Because she's friends with all these Catholics and they are all getting married in the same year. Yep. And everyone, and I'm like, I'm going to another wedding in our first year. It's just, it was, it was a lot. I've been in like one wedding and I'm like, what just happened to my life?
1: Dude, we had, we just did the numbers for Lord's. And oh, this is crazy. we had, I think it was 43 weddings in 2020
0: during COVID
1: during COVID 43 weddings. And that's a lot. And you know this about me, but the hard thing is how do you come up with a new wedding homily for 43 couples <laughs> for your wedding? I really tried. I'm like, okay, it's Patrick and stuff. Like I gotta, this has got to be gold standard here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was, was your favorite of the, out of, of all, all time, of them, right? but, yeah. uh, No, and I think what's crazy when you really think about it, though, too, is like, obviously, those are spread out over the year. But I remember this summer, especially as we're trying to navigate COVID, that whole debacle. But even in a a regular year, a a lot of that is slammed in the summer. Most of these weddings are happening in that time, June and July, May. I think going through it, you were completely booked. And most weekends, you had two weddings on a Saturday starting in May through August. Every yeah. single weekend you had two weddings a day or on a Saturday.
1: Yeah. And, and sometimes Fridays. It's, yeah.
0: It's crazy.
1: I mean, praise God people are getting married. That's really totally. Good. Okay. We should probably move on.
0: Yeah. So anyways, uh, go check out seek. Check out seek. It's
1: great. Great people who love God and they put on a great conference. So
0: yes. Um, okay. So now back to reality. What in the H, world H E double hockey Sticks. yeah is happening in the world today. Yeah. I mean seriously. Like, you know what it kind of felt like watching and and I'm primarily referencing a lot of just what's been happening in Washington and, and politics. Politics and all this kind of stuff. And it and it felt like especially kind of on the premise of this podcast in and of itself of like how do I live a Christian life and defend it and be able to kind of explain my worldview and watching what went down in the last couple weeks it felt like uh again i use sports all the time but like if you're a big c which has happened right like if you're a big cu fan and you're diehard about it and then a bunch of scandals come out and Mm -hmm. a lot of like egg on your face as a fan yep and now all of a sudden you're ashamed of the team because one knucklehead totally destroyed the image destroyed every ounce of it and watching that all go down, it really felt like okay. We've spent the last four years trying to defend a stance, trying to trying to change minds, trying to point out how ridiculous the other side can be. Yeah. And then now, all of a sudden, in one day, it literally. I w- I walked into work and was like, I threw in the towel. Okay, right. that's it. That's it. We're done. Like, yeah. and in an instant, it changed. And I feel like that happens anytime you're a fan of anything, but. It's just crazy how polarizing yeah. the U.S. and the world has come.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. And if you didn't see it, I'm sure you, everyone has seen this. But the um, Capitol, the U.S. Capitol, there was a – people were calling it an insurrection, uh, and I think that's right. But a crowd marched into the Capitol building, and you know, many of them were armed, and there were some scary things. Like people had zip ties, and they had to evacuate Congress, and this was during the – uh, counting of the electoral college votes, if I'm not mistaken, and just just scary. And there's there's a lot of polarization in our culture, as everyone knows. Uh, if you don't know this, polarization comes from the Greek word polemos, which oh. means war.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah, and so th- that's happening right now. Like we do, we're having we have a hard time talking to each other. And one of the things Patrick and I wanted to talk about today is how do you have a conversation with someone you disagree with. And how do we how do we get to a place in our culture where uh, we come out of this polarization? And it seems I don't know if you feel this way. Sometimes I feel like I don't know how we do this. It's there are such different worldviews, and that's something I want to talk about a little bit today. Yep. There's such different worldviews that our assumptions about what life is about are radically different from each other. And oftentimes, I think the things we end up talking about are symptoms of a deeper root and we never talk about the root issues. And until we do, you know, that's, I don't think it's going to be easily resolved.
0: Totally. I, I just think we're like especially now, like not only are we not, it's more often than not, it either goes one way, right? Where it's either you get into a debate or start to present your thoughts and it either becomes really heated, right, or you avoid the topic and run for the hills, right? And we've kind of talked about that before, but just like, I just don't even want to step in the arena because right. there's no way to actually have an engaging conversation, um, and even to the point now, where especially like you're you hear about it every single day of somebody censoring someone. Now, now you just don't even hear the other side. Yep. Like it's so it's just such an interesting. I don't understand how we've gotten to that point.
1: Yeah, there's a <clears throat> so one thing I wanted to bring up. There's a radio station. We did a shout out to KBCO, which I still think is price all the best. Yeah. I do think they've declined a little bit though. Do you? I do. i, I just think, gotten
0: recently hooked back on them.
1: I, I've been listening to it more actually myself. But they uh everything is brought out by Clear Channel anyways, and I don't know how I, I don't really like that, but whatever. Right. The other the, I do listen to KTCL, which is 93.3 here in Denver. And they're they're kinda like KBCO but a little more edgy. They're a little more chili peppers. Oh like, nice. I feel like the red hot chili peppers would be played on both, but you're more likely to find them on KTCL. Okay. But they have this kind of filler in between songs that they'll they'll play on the radio sometimes. And I kind of love it. They say and they're kinda I don't know, they're they're a little spicy and they like to be a little punk, as Father Mike Rapp would say. Yeah. And so they they have a line where they say, We don't hate each other. We just have different news feeds. Totally. And I thought, you know, that's, that's, that's a big point people are making right now. But the point I wanted to make is we have different, we don't just have different news feeds. That is also true. And that's a problem. We have different worldviews. Totally. And so even if people saw the same facts, here's what a worldview is. My favorite image for worldview comes from N.T. Wright. So worldview is your basic assumptions. They're not things you usually think about. They're things you assume. And um, NT Wright has a great image for this where he says a worldview is something that you don't look at. It's something you, you look at everything else through. And so a worldview is like glasses. Mm-hmm. I don't look at my glasses very often. I look through my glasses and I see everything through my glasses. And <clears throat> today, so if, if you're listening to this, you probably know Patrick and I are probably, I hope that we're both men of principle, uh, but we, we would fit in, in a worldview, more leaning towards the right. Yep. Uh, I don't identify with any political party. Uh, as a priest, I identify with Christ and his church. But it's it, right now, it's, I, I don't lean to the left. But I do want to be a bridge builder where I can talk to people on the
0: left. Totally.
1: And we need more people, I think, like that in the world that can say, I don't hate you. Uh, I might disagree very strongly with you about ideas. Uh, but I think that that's one of the things we need to get to, but a worldview anyway, go back to that really quickly. Um, a worldview is like a pair of glasses. You don't look at your glasses, you look through them and you see everything in light of that. And so there's been all kinds of different worldviews in history, but, uh, what happens is people might see the same thing, but if my glasses have a yellow hue to them, I'm going to see everything with yellow. If yours have a red hue, you're going to see everything with a red hue, And we interpret everything through those glasses. And so there's some obvious examples right now. So after the attack on the Capitol, the first thing that a lot of places are coming out, there was, I was listening to, there's some people talking about, I think her name is Jamil Hill. And she was one of the people out there who kind of said, this is about racist stuff. And there's been a lot of comments on reading that event through the lens of race. Um, in recent decades, a big lens a lot of people out there have are everything's about sexuality, and so no matter what what they see, they the world is about sexuality, and so they'll see everything in light of uh, maybe sexual preference. Uh, sometimes you have like like a, a feminist worldview, where a feminist tends to look at reality and interpret it through the lens of men and women. And one last comment, and then we can uh, I'll throw it back to you. But, uh, one of the things that, that some of this comes out of is there's a 19th century German philosopher who I know you always love them.
0: <laughs> My favorites,
1: your favorites. So there's a guy named Hegel and I had to look up, I, I always forget his first name and I realized why, cause it's Georg, but people don't usually refer to him by his first name, but just as Hegel and Hegel had an interesting, uh, he had a very impactful philosophy and if my philosophy professor, Dr. Terry Wright is listening to this, which he probably won't, but if he, if he did, he would be like, well, he's shaking his head somewhere. like, <laughs> Larkin, This is pathetic. But anyway, Hegel, what he here's what he did. Hegel said that all of history, the way history works, if someone has an idea and he calls that the thesis. And so like my thesis is I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is someone has a counter thesis and they, they, they disagree and, And he calls that the antithesis and they kind of battle it out. And then they, as they battle it out, there's a new thesis. There's, and what he says is it's the synthesis. So those two ideas do battle. So I say, I'm the man. And you say, no way I'm the man. And then we battle it out and we're like, we're a great team. We should start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like the new, the new thesis. And he says, this is how history works. And so this drives history and the big word that Hegel gives to this and that has been used by mostly by people more on the left. uh, But the big word that comes out of this is progress. Right. And so Hegel says that history is on this kind of inevitable, inevitable onwards and upwards because there's this battle of ideas and the ideas get purified and made better. And what happened with this eventually is Hegel himself didn't have this idea, but the big thinker that is going to use Hegel is a guy named uh, Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, and they're going to use that idea, and they're going to apply it, and they're going to say the the thesis, the idea, uh, is about class war. So you have the proletariat and the bourgeois, and they do battle, and they believe that the ultimate kind of utopia where history was going was this thing called communism. Mm. Um, so is, that's like way too much information. But I think right now in our country, right? A big thing that's going on is this question about how are we supposed to view the world and what are our worldviews? And I just see that a lot. Like this capital thing happens and I th- or the thing at the U S capital. And I think we have moved into very different where we have different pairs of glasses. Yeah people on the right and people on the left. And I think both sides, there's some fringe extreme groups that are very dangerous right now. Um, Okay,
0: it's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot, but I I think there's, what I find so fascinating though is, we've come to a place where, and maybe it's always kind of been that way, um, but where when your lens, and that's how you're viewing the world, we've come to a place in dialogue now that only sharpens or makes clear that particular lens. And where I'm going with that is like people these days, like I look back and I think Ben Shapiro talks about all the time, but he gets beat up because when he was like 19, he made some comments that were in a Like he's just like, yeah, I was 19 when I said that, but you're, We're at a place now where you can never really change your lens. Either you get deeper entrenched into your worldview, but we're not in dialogue that's sharpening and evolving. Like you're saying that thesis into possibly changing your lens. Right. Instead. Now the minute we don't have that like ability anymore, it feels like, and instead it just is like, we're going to get deeper entrenched in it and need to get more heated. And then now we have this total polarization as opposed to, and like when you said that, you know, I think, yeah, we definitely lean more towards the right. But that was kind of the, again, going back to the principle of this podcast is if you're not having those conversations, you kind of walk into the world and you're growing up and especially coming out of CU Boulder. I mean, I did what was popular back then, like I voted for Obama because mm-hmm. he was the cool guy and he was different and all the team was doing it and all that right. kind of stuff and it's very easy to fall into the trap of like well, "Yeah, that kind of makes sense it sounds great people are being nice like let's go for that which can be very much a left message yep. and so how do you really start to kind of navigate that but it becomes more and more difficult of we're now just in this I mean again going <laughs> even going back to like it depends what feed you're on yeah like I get on Facebook now and being from California, most of the people are so extreme left coming up with like everyone's posting not even credible sources now. it's like some weird website about this whole conspiracy behind the the capital thing and then the right's doing the same thing and it's just it's so interesting and, and it's just shots fired all day long and no one's actually having that conversation yeah bouncing back and forth. And I think, I
1: think that for me, this is the critical thing. And I think, you know, if you're listening to this, thanks for listening. I hope that what we needed to get to is deeper questions about our worldviews, yeah. about our glasses. And the way, so Alistair McIntyre, I, I talk everywhere I go. And so I never know if I said this on the podcast or not, but McIntyre was a very important moral philosopher. He taught at Duke University and then at Notre Dame. And became Catholic. He wasn't Catholic, but he converted. And he talks a lot about worldviews. And his book, After Virtue, is just massively important, really dense. Um, One of the hardest books I've ever read. I will say that, so I don't... (laughs) Yeah.
0: Give me the cliff notes.
1: Right, exactly. But one of the things he says... Oh, we did talk about McIntyre in the podcast about Aristotle and Nietzsche. Right. But McIntyre, one of the things he shows, and N.T. Wright talks about this as well, is that the the way that worldviews work how do you get assumptions about the world? How does a culture build a worldview that we all kind of have the same assumption about like, well, this is what life's about. And this is how we should treat each other. And this is the story of the world. The way that it operates, the primary way is through stories. Stories are the most powerful tool that a worldview has. And what it does is it, it tells us how to interpret facts. Um, and so, like, a great example of this would be Megan and I were talking about this. Megan works with Patrick in our development office. Is that, like, traditionally, you know, the Christian West, and not just Christianity, but generally Western Civ, and most cultures in the world, they believe that good is real and evil is real. And so, there's nuances to that. None of us is perfect. And Christianity always understood that. Augustine talks about that a lot. But there is good. There is evil. There is evil. And so the, the West always told stories about a protagonist who has to fight against evil. But postmodernism is a different worldview. Postmodernism is this worldview where it's just a matter of perspective. No one's really good, no one's really evil. We're just, It's just a matter of perspective. And so one of the key kind of stories that they tell, like one that, that I think is really emblematic of this, or an example at least, is wicked. So the Broadway play Wicked is a story about how the Wicked Witch of the West wasn't really wicked. It's just a matter of perspective. And traditionally in Christian culture, another example of this would be that you have symbols of evil. And some people are really big on this. I'm not like diehard on this, but I think there is a point at least. Traditionally in, in the world, dragons are always a symbol of evil always. And in the modern world, it's very interesting. There's a lot of Christian commentators out there that have shown like now that, that, that symbol has been subverted and dragons, right? My, my dad Groucho who just turned 70, happy birthday again, dad, my dad, one of his favorite movies of all times is the Pixar movie, how to train your dragon. Yep. Which is actually, I like it too. It's It's kind of a movie. movie. Yeah, it's fun. But so, so worldviews have to do with stories. And, I, and we tell a story to ourselves about, here's what the world's about, here's what life is about. A Christian says there is good, there is evil, and I need to fight within myself to overcome evil. And I need to overcome my hatred, my sin, and I need to embrace God and allow him to work in me. But that's the world of, that's the Christian story. Right now, there's a lot of other stories out there. And so if you have... A worldview right now that's largely about race I'm not saying that there's not truth to that story but I don't I don't think it's a dominant story but right now like Black Lives Matter and other groups they're telling a story that history is really about race mm-hmm. right in America's story right how are they trying to change the culture in America they're telling a different story about who America is right that's what the 1619 project is yep. and so and so America's the stories that we grew up with about George Washington and Johnny Appleseed and Thomas Jefferson and you know the the redcoats and the American Revolution, they're saying no no, 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 the real story is 1619 when the first slave. And so America's they change the story. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. How do you navigate it though? I mean how do we how do we begin to even change that and engage? Some of those conversations. Cause it's like the minute you challenge anything, you're canceled. Yep. And you're, or you're automatically a racist, you're automatically any of that kind of stuff. When even just like to your point, asking the questions, the deeper questions now gets you in hot water.
1: Well, I do think, um, so a couple of things. I I think, and I don't know, by the way, I'm not, I feel like I'm not the best at this because I get frustrated the way other people do as well. But I, I think there's a couple of things that can help. One thing you and I have already talked about a number of times here is we have got to stop, we, we've gotta look for the good in others. Even when we radically disagree with our ideas. Yep. And and one thing I've been, I said to someone recently, I'm like, we, there should be a law right now in America that, there should, that we need to have a five-year ban on any comparisons to Nazi Germany. Totally. That 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 has got to stop. We have got to stop calling each other Nazis. Like the rhetoric needs to be toned down, even when there's very serious things. Like like I think abortion is a very serious crime, but I just don't think it's going to help if I walk up to someone who's pro-choice, and pro, and I would say pro-abortion. That, but even that's kind of inflammatory to them. Right. Uh, I would want to go up to them and say. And I don't want to compare them to Nazi Germany. That's just not going to go well. Uh, and so sometimes it may come to some serious disagreements and serious discussions. But I think when you look for the good in others, that's one thing we need to do. I think the other thing, and this is tell me what you think about this, we've got to talk about deeper questions and assumptions about that. we got to talk about our glasses. Yep. N.T. Wright says the only time you ever really look at your glasses is if something's wrong. So I don't know how my glass my glasses get unbelievably dirty. I don't know how that happens, but it's, it's constantly dirty. And so I I'll take my glasses off when I can't see through them very well. Mm-hmm. But we need to get I, get the culture around us. And if you're listening to this, we need to we all get scared. I think because we're not as smart as we should be. Totally. And I I'm the same way it. when I when I come onto the podcast, Patrick and I are like, let's talk about this. And I'm like, oh crap. Like I should know this topic more thoroughly and deeper than I do. And that's a good sentiment. But we have to have the conversation. Right. Like like a big a big question is the Aristotle Nietzsche one. Like Mm -hmm. that's one of the deepest questions of a worldview that no one ever talks about. Is human nature real? Right? Is is there such a thing as a human nature? And I don't I don't just mean biological, that's part of it. But I mean is is honesty a necessary part of human nature, that for a person to live a good life, they have to become an honest person. I would say yes. Totally. Christianity would say yes, lots of pagans would say yes. But a lot of people in our culture today, they just think, oh, that's just a construct.
0: And I think, uh, for me, being able to admit that when you have a lens And two, going to your point of uh, trying to see the good in the other person, but really trying to use the questions in a way that just to better understand someone's uh, perspective and not trying to act like you're the expert in it all the time. I mean, this is communication 101.
1: I've been trying to talk to you about that. (laughs) Totally.
0: totally. (laughs) Well, I always know what you're thinking, so it's fine. Um, But... Really trying to just dive into their world and understanding their worldview, and I will say, one of my best friends is so good at doing that, and he'll never kind of like attack me. He just asks more and more questions, yeah. And every single time, somehow I, I like get to a point where I don't have a good answer anymore, and I realize he's right. But if he ever came at me with like the his quote unquote correct answer right i'm like dude you're so wrong there's no way but he walks me it's phenomenal to watch and i think you know does that a lot and we always just i think you and i both are huge fans of him but ben shapiro is when you watch a debate with ben shapiro i mean 99 percent of the time they don't even get to the actual argument he just picks apart the the lack of logic in the other person right that it, it. and he's just kind of understanding and pointing out to them, like, okay, hey, you're, you're out the gates. You're wrong. Like, right. it, and so it's, but again, he doesn't get caught up in the emotion behind it. And I think that needs to be its own like master's course of like, how do you actually get to that level of debate?
1: Well, he's, he's wicked smart Yeah. and, and he knows his stuff and you know, I think he has a temperament for it too. Totally. But, uh, I was going to say, you know, who, what, so is that Nick who does that? Yes. So you know who you know what that's called. There's a famous term for that when someone just walks you through questions and asks more questions and you kind of gradually come to the truth.
0: Yeah, it's called annoying. <laughs> it's called <laughs> that's brutal. not what i was going for.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's called um, a Socratic dialogue. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because that's, that's how Socrates works. And so if you read, so pl- we don't have any of any writings from Socrates himself. Plato just tells us about Socrates. Yep. But they're called the the dialogues and the way they all work and they're, they're awesome to read is that Socrates is always like walking with somebody. And so like the most, probably the most famous of the dialogues is the Republic. Okay. And Socrates is just walking with somebody and the guy, they start talking about justice and like, and Socrates always is like, I don't know what justice is. And the other guy's always like super confident. And he's like, I think it's Glaucon in the Republic again. I'm just thinking of the rights just shaking their heads. I mean, they're totally. like, like FB, <laughs> seriously, go back to seminary. Um, but it's, it's great because Socrates has this humility. And he says, well, he'll ask his dialogue partner and they'll say something kind of dumb. And they'll say, well, I think justice is this. And Socrates will be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, why do you think it's that? And like, and he just asks questions. And generally, they, they, they find an answer.
0: themselves. And
1: and the, and, the two, and I think this is really this gets to our the heart of our topic is dialogue. Mm-hmm. How do you become a good dialogue a partner? And I think again, like coming from a Catholic worldview, and I think that's important for me to say. And both of us on this podcast, um, American politics is its own beast, and I have my own opinions about it for sure. And I love our country, but I am I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. That's what I am. And I think, and I'm trying to think second uh, Corinthians uh, or sorry, first Corinthians two sixteen, with the mind of Christ to think the way that Christ thinks. And to do that though, I think we really need to be people who can have a good conversation with people. And so coming from the Catholic perspective, I have very strong opinions about certain things and there is an art how do you how do you have a conversation with someone you really disagree with? Mm-hmm. You really like if someone like if someone believes in in transgenderism, that's a really hot topic right now. I really disagree with that. Uh, and I've done a fair amount of reading on it. But can you dialogue with them about why they think that's okay, And I think so much of the way that things go is, we're all human beings and, and a nation is not just ideas it's people and first i think we've lost the idea the the ability to dialogue with each other yeah. and part of it's fear we get nervous and i do it too you get if you get into a, a discussion with someone you know you don't agree with or see eye to eye with yep. your walls go up you get fearful and they're talking and you stop listening and you're like thinking of how you're going to destroy them with yeah, your next your response next.
0: that's right I, I would also say it's imperative <laughs> to also, before engaging in that conversation though, both people have to be willing to accept the other person's lens. And I feel like most of the time, again, to your point, you get so focused on how you're going to destroy the other person with your own expertise right. that you're walking into a dead-end conversation because that person, no matter what you say, no matter, you could prove that two plus two equals four. If they are adamantly convinced and not open to accepting that it's not five, right you're out you're you've lost it out the gates and right now in such a polarized world I feel like we have to get to the point of like before even. In, and that's why I hate social media right now like right. I get on there I'm, I'm literally on Facebook right now just because I need Facebook marketplace and I get in there and I'm inundated I'm like trying to buy a fridge for the garage and I, all of a sudden I'm getting like clobbered with this messaging of like I didn't even I'm just here for the, uh, the fridge I don't really care about your opinion on this topic right and I'm not open to it so again it backfires on you if you walk into that conversation and you're like here's my thought this and that how do you not believe me and you walk away super upset The know the person's like, they were never going to change no matter what and we we don't approach conversations that way and we fail out the gates
1: yeah no i think that's right on and i you know i think it, it's, a, it's a tough tension because there, i have certain principles in my life mm-hmm. that i'm pretty immovable on yeah and a lot of our country, writers is this way. But I think, I think this is where we need to get. We jump to, we talk about conclusions that both sides have already drawn. But we don't talk about how we got there. And I think part of that is because people have never thought about how they got there. Exactly right. Because they, they don't know what their glasses are. They don't know what their worldview is. And, and it's pretty tough right now. We're, we're pretty far down the road. And I'm a melancholic, so um, I'm always just thinking, like, you know, oh, things couldn't get any worse. I'm like, oh, yeah, they can Right. Totally, But I did want to say that, so St. Thomas Aquinas, I love this. Aquinas has a place where he talks about how in a debate, there should never be a winner or a loser. And I, I think this is one of the ways that if if we started, and if you're listening to this, if our country started saying, when I go to a debate, and I think if you're a Christian, you should be someone who spearheads this. The goal of a debate is not that you win the debate. The goal of a debate is that we find truth, and so Aquinas says there's no loser or winner in a debate, because what we're concerned about is finding what is true. Yep. And that does not happen in our country today. Right. And the only somebody's got to break the cycle, and I think that's got to be us. I one more story. When I was at CU, not as a student, but I went up as a seminarian. So the St. Thomas Aquinas Newman Center, they host debates. And they have this thing called the Aquinas Institute. Is that it? Uh, I forget. It's like I wanna say, yeah, maybe it is the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought. But Matt Monig and Scott Powell and Father Peter Musset and these guys up there, great job. They do awesome things. And they'll bring in big speakers and they'll debate hot topics. And I went to one and they had I think it was Chris Hitchens. I wanna say it was him. Is he the one that passed away? One of the I'm new sure. one of the new atheists, and he debated Dinesh D'Souza about God's oh, existence.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I went to that debate, and it was in Mackey Auditorium, which is a big auditorium at the University of Colorado. And I went, and it was really interesting uh, watching the debate. So what happened is the debate ended, and I was talking to Father Kevin afterwards, who's a great guy. Who um, he was laicized, but that's a whole other topic for a different podcast, but love, love Kevin. He's a great guy. But Kevin was a pastor up there at the time. And we were talking about who won the debate. And I was like, oh, Chris Hitchens destroyed D'Souza. And I guarantee you, 98% of people left Mac Auditorium and they said, Chris Hitchens destroyed Dinesh D'Souza. Like they walked away having less confidence that God exists. They walked away, and the atheist walked away being like, yep, knew it all right yeah. yeah and kevin said and father father kevin now again not a priest anymore but he said and he is he is wicked intelligent um he's one of the smartest people i've ever known he was like no dinesh d'souza completely destroyed him and what i realized in that when we talked about it was they had different goals and i think chris hitchens and i end up agreeing with kevin Chris Hitchens didn't want to find truth. He wanted to win. And I was very frustrated with him listening to the debate because he said all these things about Christianity and specifically Catholicism that there were only two, two kind of conclusions you could have. One is that you don't know jack squat about what the Catholic church, like you were incredibly ignorant about it or you just want to win and you're throwing out things, you know, aren't true. Yep. And it's hard to believe it's not the latter. But he, I mean, he said stuff in that debate that I was like, and you don't have time. You have a limited amount of time. And so Dinesh D'Souza couldn't come back and be like, well, that's not actually true. Like, that's a total caricature. You misrepresented that. You don't have time to go back and correct those things. Totally. And, and Hitchin was just on the attack. And so I think large scale, that's what we're doing in our country. And I think this, like, you, like I don't watch TV. I don't have a TV. but um, So I don't watch, like, news so much. But oftentimes when they have Christians on primetime television, they don't have the really intelligent, articulate Christians. Right. They don't have them on. they don't like I think of Robbie George who's at uh, Princeton, who is brilliant and a very devout Catholic. They don't have him on primetime. You know, they 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 invite in people who are going to say kind of dumb things. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't you think that's kind of happening in our culture though, that that kind of like we're not trying to we're not trying to discover truth like aquinas says yeah we're just trying to destroy each other for the,
0: yeah the jugular yeah. You're, you're going for the instagram facebook feed of oh watch my story watch me destroy this guy um and i i think going back to what you had said with um even on the things that you you won't like you were set in your way on it and you are an expert it, it just reminds me i mean i had so much respect for you i think it's it's interesting in your position because I think understanding your uh, the circumstance you're in, like when people come in to meet with you uh-huh. and have a one on one conversation with you, they've stepped into the arena. Like they are, they are going into that. Um, they may be going for the jugular, but at least now it's like, okay, we're in the playing field of like we're gonna talk about our our opinions on this. Right. Um, and it goes back to, I mean, I've said it before, I, I think on the podcast, but I, I'm very open about. it. I mean, years ago. I did not know the difference and I totally viewed life as like, yeah, it's your choice, like pro-life, pro-choice, that kind of thing. I just was like, I don't know, friends aren't ready to have kids. Like, it makes sense, like this and that, like that, whatever. It should be your your decision. And I was instantly, like when I started to become Catholic, it got thrown in my face. of like, oh, really? You were pro-choice? Like, you want to rip the limbs off of unborn children? Right. And I was like, <laughs> no, for, first of all, that literally has never once gone through my head. Didn't even know that. I don't even know what you're talking about. My that was never in my wheelhouse. But sitting down with you, when I came in to have a conversation about that kind of stuff with you, you're so good at being able to like just be compassionate. You kind of like, Okay, I hear you. Like you're not you're not really open, like nothing I'm gonna say is gonna change your <laughs> point of view on abortion, but you accept it and then You do, I mean, you have the expertise and this, again, back to the podcast in general of like having those conversations of what you said that day changed my life. Like that totally, I went from those yellow lenses to now rose-colored lenses on this topic, but I was also eager for the truth Yeah, and not so caught up in the emotions. To me, I just was ignorant and young and stupid and just didn't know. It was just kind of like this innocent thought i thought it was innocent but little did i know i wasn't asking the deeper questions yeah
1: and i think you know this is where focus you know talk about seek the the gradient side of focus most people don't change their mind strictly intellectually right now that does happen and there are people out there who they operate that way and you know if you're someone like me i'm not I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I've studied a lot and I as a priest I have the privilege of reading a lot. Yep. And I it's been but it's been a long process and over time some of my even positions within the Catholic world have become much more nuanced because I think I think we get so insecure. Totally. You get in, you take your positions and we're all just scared that we're we're going to get destroyed and so the 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 ramparts go up and we're yep. we're ready for war. And actually, I think a a wonderful sign of a great intellect is someone who has let those walls down. And if you're confident that you've really thought through what you believe and why and what you think about the world and why, you can have an authentic dialogue Totally. easier. But I think focus is great insight. So people don't convert usually, strictly intellectually. That's important. We have to get there. But focus is great insight is that first, before that, what comes first is relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's like Greg Rogers says, say prayer, by the way, from Mary Rogers' knee surgery today. That's right. Uh, but anyway, so Greg, her husband says, he talks about email muscles,
0: <laughs> totally.
1: which is a great line. And he says, you know, people, and it's true, and we've all seen this on social media, people say things on the internet, they would never say to you if you were standing in front of them. Right. Right. And we've lost our humanity. And it's like, get off Twitter, yeah. get off Facebook, uh, except for lordzenver.org. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, and,
0: well, and to that point, too, I think we've, everyone now is a, a Monday morning quarterback, like mm-hmm. at the expert level. They can, everyone can sit back and critique and judge and totally build these walls when it's a lot different in the moment.
1: Yeah, it totally is. And and I've just learned this over the years. It's like in RCIA. Every Wednesday when I teach RCIA, I always, and I've, I mean, I've been teaching and trying to like spread the faith for 20 years. Yeah. And I still get nervous. I'm like, oh, like tonight we're going to talk about justification. And I'm like, did I really explain that perfectly? Do I have all the perfect quotes? Did I think through every single angle? And that matters and that's good and important. And we need to be mature in that. Blah, 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 blah. But... Most people in RCIA, they want they want to know what I'm talking, that I know what I'm talking about. But a lot of times people, they just need to know that I am trustworthy. And if they get to a place where they're like, oh, wow, I come from a Protestant background and I've always heard that all priests are really uptight anal legalists. NFB isn't. Right. And he shattered my, that's why people convert. Totally. Because for, cause that opens the door. They They meet you and you're not a legalist. Yep. And you're not this super uptight, judgmental, whatever. And it that does more than 10 hours of me teaching lectures.
0: Totally. And not that we're here to give advice. I think it's more for me. Gosh, now realizing, you know, the Socratic method. If you can go into a conversation and, and keep focusing on the questions and not getting caught up. I think i'm just reflecting on myself how many times i would go into a conversation and i get so lost i don't even know what they just said but i am building my next defense where they could have just given me a layup and i it totally went right over my head because i'm so caught up in trying to be right yep when again if you can if you're have the ability to just focus on those questions and get deeper and deeper i think it instantly alleviates a lot of you're taking the legwork out of your for yourself one yeah. and two you're engaging with them and breaking down those kind of that image of it's no longer about who's winning instead we're really trying to get yeah. to the truth and understand how to balance both lenses
1: dude i'm the same way i'm like i still get this wrong there are people who come to my office still and i'm like at 40 years old you know the perfect age right i'm like people still come to my office and they're like and I, like I, sometimes all like I had, I think of a couple months ago, there was a, a Protestant in, in here and he, we started talking about justification. Are, are you saved by faith alone or is there, is it more nuanced than that? And I have read like 30 books on this topic. Yeah. And I've, I've studied the new Testament Greek and I, I just, and no offense to this guy, but he just hadn't, he doesn't have that background. Right. So, but I, but I was an idiot and instead of doing the like, okay, well, what you know just asking questions like why why do you think it's faith alone or like what are you nervous about with the catholic church's teaching on this yeah. if i would have just done that would have gone way better instead i was just like yeah like let's talk about matthew 25 <laughs> dropping knowledge you know or on like or like matthew 19 when the rich young man asks jesus how to what do i have to do to get saved and we know what jesus doesn't say have faith he doesn't even say that there he says obey the commandments yeah, um, yeah. But that's a whole other topic. But I I went that route and it was the wrong route because what I did was I wanted to win. Right. And instead there's a human being in front of me and if I could just like acknowledge his humanity and have a real conversation, that would have gone way better. And sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta get eventually to like the real tough topics because totally. eventually, eventually people need answers, but if they don't trust you, Right. If they don't trust you, their walls are up. It doesn't matter
0: what you said. And especially, I mean, but it, to that point, if you're if you're asking the right questions, eventually their walls are starting to come down so much, and they're starting to realize their own holes. That now, all of a sudden, you yep. start to think to yourself, "Okay, wait. Now, what do you mean by Matthew 19?" And you're you're going to start to be like, "Okay, maybe I am wrong here." Yep. But until you get to that point, you're in a lose lose situation.
1: And also yours. You have to. Yeah. Correct. To, right. And like, I, I do totally. want to say that. Like, I had. Uh, when I was in seminary my first year, we do this thing called the immersion where they send guys uh, to go serve the poor somewhere in the United States. And I got sent to Seattle and they sent me there. They, They didn't send you there to serve the physically poor so much. We worked with some developmentally disabled adults. It was a lot of really awesome stuff that we were doing up there. It was very cool. But part of the reason they sent us there, me and one other guy, they sent us there because it was a, quote-unquote Catholic community, but one radically different from ours They would dissent on Catholic teaching on all kinds of things. Oh. And, you know, I was at this point, I was like 24, 25 maybe, I think I was 24. But I, I knew my stuff pretty well, and I was pretty confident, but I, I was still immature in this. And at the, right before I came back to Denver, the guy who ran the program in Seattle, he took me for a long long walk and just ripped into me hardcore and what he said and he's probably right honestly he was like and he actually i mean he was a little strong he said some pretty mean things he's he was like he goes you are gonna be a terrible priest oh and he was like you are gonna scare the crap out of people and he basically said because you just think you know everything
0: Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. and honestly he was probably right like i I hope i'm not a bad priest (laughs) only god could probably say
0: (laughs) but you probably needed that in that time Right? Like it was a huge wake up call.
1: Yeah. And we, and so we've got to be able to do that. We've got totally. to be able, we have to, even if we're really certain about principles, we have to have that. No, like you said, no one's going to change my mind on abortion. I just right. like that one. I'm like, I I just, I, I can see good intentions behind people who are pro abortion. That's it. I can see that they, they have a desire for something good and I want to love on them, whatever. I'm never going to be pro pro-abortion ever it's it's unintelligent it's immoral it's wrong um but on a lot of subjects where we we can't pretend that we know more than we do right we've got to be willing to say i'm not god and i'm pretty certain about a number of things but i don't know everything and there's nuance and there's things that i don't know and um those are the best people gk chesterton says He says the only, he says the people who are most certain of themselves in the world are the people who end up in insane asylums. And I love that line. And he says that he says, people who are healthy, they have a little bit of self doubt. And I think that's good.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's powerful stuff. I just, I hope I can start to implement it. Yeah. You know?
1: All of us, I, I have so much to grow on this. Maybe one last thing for today, one more example of this that I just thought of. Pope Benedict talks about this. And so so for many of us who are listening to this probably, one of the things that we're most certain about is, is God's existence. And I've become more and more certain of that. Uh, part of what's happened with that is St. Thomas Aquinas' arguments for God's existence most people actually, even philosophers misrepresent his teaching on that. Ed Fazer taught me that Ed Faser is a prominent philosopher right now. and he talks about how he did that. He was teaching. He was he had a doctorate in philosophy and he was trying to like, he was an atheist and he was he has a great story. He um, he had a, a class that was about like does God exist or not? and he was teaching. And it was just boring because he was an atheist and all the students were atheists. And so he wanted to make it more interesting. So he said, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread people who think God really exists and I'm going to read them in a more serious way. I'm not just going to brush them off and assume they're wrong. And he read St. Thomas Aquinas and was like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> right? And he was like, and he realized that even in his like doctoral studies, that people didn't take Aquinas seriously and so they, they misrepresent him. And he's like, if you, Actually, read what he actually writes and think and take it seriously. He was like, "This is irrefutable." But wow. anyway, wow. That's what I didn't want. To, that wasn't what I wanted to get to. The what I wanted to get to is Pope Benedict says, though. So I'm very certain about God's existence, just intellectually and on a hundred other levels. But Benedict starts his book, Intro to Christianity, and he says, "It's okay to have doubts." And he says, "the the Christian part the the flip side of faith is doubt." And for us as Christians, if someone never has any doubts, they're probably actually not wrestling with their faith. But what it should do is it should drive us back to, why do I believe this? And can I have a conversation with someone who's an atheist? And, in, and Benedict says an atheist should be the same way. If yeah. you're an honest atheist, you've got, you've got to at least, even if you're really confident that you are smart enough and you understand blah, 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 blah. If you really look at yourself, there's something deep down that says, what if I'm
0: wrong? Totally. And how do you get better at it?
1: Yeah. All right. Should we wrap this one up? Good I talked, stuff. I talked way too much. No, no. I, as I, per I, usual.
0: <laughs> no, again, I think it's it's such a heavy topic that I think just being able to just discuss that um, and really try to, I don't know, just open my own mind into how I can approach those conversations as avoid, and not avoid them and and not get so defensive.
1: And me too. You know. You know what we should do? Yeah. Let's close this one. We should like, let's just say a prayer for people who have different worldview from us. Please. And I think that even that like warms the heart. You know, yep. it's like because God can touch people's hearts. That's right. In a way that we never can. Totally. All right. So, okay. I'll just. Do you want me to lead this? You yes, lead please. It? You.
0: You sure? Yep. <laughs> You're the priest. <laughs> You're the priest.
1: <laughs> people think. Yeah. Okay. Let's pray. They have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we adore you. We love you. Uh, Lord, we ask for a greater confidence and a deeper faith to surrender our lives to you. Lord, we pray that we would not be so hardened, that we would be uh, people who can't witness to your mercy and your goodness and love. And Jesus, right now, we pray for our country. We pray for a healing of divisions. Uh, We pray for those who do not share our worldview. Uh, We pray, Lord, that they would know that we are not their enemies, but their friends in the deepest sense. Uh, pray that you would draw them close to you in your sacred heart, that your mother would intercede for them. Uh, and Lord, may we in our fight for your kingdom, uh, may we always be good witnesses. May we be good dialogue partners. Jesus, may you bless our country. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Beautiful. All right rant at lords org. email us thank you for all the positive feedback and the feedback in general and uh again check out seek 2021 february 4th through the 7th
1: i was gonna ask what the dates were
0: yep so sign up go go check it out their speakers are amazing and we will uh see you guys next week